Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday night service and our online streaming. For those of you that don't know and can't remember, we stream our services, and when we say stream it, it's going overseas. Um, I think right now in India, it's about 6.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, and some of the saints would get up early and try to catch the service. And those of you that are following us online, I want to say welcome. Uh, some of you might be in America, some in um, various parts of the world that might be able to log on to this Wednesday night service. And so, welcome to you, and welcome to all of you sitting in church here tonight so nice and quiet um, it's wonderful to be in church so right now we want to start the service with a word of prayer and ask god to be with us uh, join me in prayer please heavenly father i want to thank you father for the privilege you've given to your children to call you their father and for us to be your dear children Thank you for the privilege of prayer, Lord, that we can come before you and you might know the desires of our hearts, but Lord, you said, whatsoever we ask in faith believing, we shall receive if it's according to your will. And tonight, we pray for everyone in this assembly here, sitting in this service, that you would challenge their hearts and be an encouragement to them, Father. Touch their minds and their spirits, I pray, Father. And even so, those following us online, I pray that you'll minister strength and encouragement to their hearts also. Remember those that are not well tonight. Uh, some of our saints in the local church, remember Nadine, we pray you continue to help her in a recovery process. We pray, O oh God, for other saints in the assembly, Sister Polly, Sister Phillips, uh, some of these that are uh, up in age and are struggling, Sister Monica, tonight we remember all your children before you. Those that are finding it difficult to log on to this uh, streaming service, we pray that, O oh God, that you will encourage their hearts also. Bless this service tonight and be with us, Father, in every aspect of it we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his glory. Amen and Amen. The worship service is very important. And when we say worship service, we're talking about the song service. In Guyana, many, many years ago, when we just started the work, I put a box guitar on my back, sit on a motorcycle, uh, when I was not married at that time, and ride off to have church in places. I remember there was a place called 57 Village. And my last trip into Guyana, um, a person saw me posting something on Facebook and they called my phone number. The gentleman says, he says, he told me his name. He says, I see that you're in Guyana. I'm in Guyana also. 
but I'm on the other end of the country. He says, do you remember me? I said, no, I don't remember you. He said, you have been my mentor for years. As a young man, I used to attend your service when you had church under a house up in 57 Village. He says, I used to sit there and look at you and admire what you do. And I was one of the people that followed you. He says, and what foundation you laid in my life in those days was a blessing. And it has kept me serving God all these years. And we have had times like that in Guyana. I remember one day, Sister Chandri and I, I'm not sure how many people were with us. We were traveling to Illinois. And I got a message while I'm traveling. Uh, this past weekend, I showed the importance of having a Facebook account. And I also give those that don't want a Facebook account uh, to please yourself. Uh, the worst form of discipleship is for you to follow yourself. And that is the greatest obstacle to discipleship. And so this past weekend, I'm getting back to my story. But this past weekend, I emphasized that in this day and age, uh, the Lord has allowed us to use social media as a means of spreading the gospel. And there are individuals around the world that would log on to my Facebook page and get the latest update because every day I rise up early and with a prayerful mind, I ask God to give me direction as I post on Facebook. And uh, some people say, well, I don't like Facebook. Well, a lot of things we don't like that might be good for us. I don't mean you go on Facebook and spend all day fishing around. No, I don't. I don't do that. In the morning when I get up, I grab my, before I start my prayer time, I grab my iPad, find my page, and then feel in my spirit what the Lord wants me to post. I'm not concerned about what they're cooking in um, Africa. No. I put the Word of God on Facebook, and every single morning I do this. I make sure that the Word of God is spread abroad, and so this is done every day that I wake up. Scarcely a day would go by without me putting something. <clears throat> it might be a video clipping. It might be an article that I wrote. It might be something I'm writing on the, in the morning when I'm doing this. And so I just want to refresh your mind that I'm on Facebook. And it's not something that I really care to be on. I never really wanted. But I've reached more people with social media. Because discipleship cannot be what it was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus called people to follow him literally. I can't call you to follow me literally. You've got a job, you've got work, you've got family, you've got involvement. But I can use you to follow me on Facebook. My page is, is uh, if you look carefully, it says Faith Book. And it has messages upon messages. Then, if that's not enough, you can find, uh, log on or download Spotify. 
and we have over 500 messages on Spotify. Today, I listened to two of those messages, just today. And incidentally, one of those messages was uh, two years ago when we were having our anniversary weekend. I talked and I reflected and I got, I, I'm gonna, uh, when I listened to the letters I read, they were remarkable letters that I read that people wrote me while they are part of the church. And so, that day we were traveling to Illinois, and while we were traveling to Illinois, I got a message, and the lady said, the person messaging me on, the, on uh, Messenger, she said, are you the same brother Desmond that used to teach in Auckland School in Guyana? And so I got in touch with her. I said, yes, I'll respond to that. I said, I am the same brother Desmond. <laughs> She says, do you remember that you had instructions, religious instructions every Friday for the whole school? And every Friday I'll go to this school that I used to teach in. I went to the school I used to teach in and they would allow me to gather the whole school together and I'll walk with my guitar, play and the kids would sing and we'd have service for about half an hour. And um, she said, do you know all of us were Hindu girls? I said, I don't know what you were. I can't remember who you are. She said, well, all of us Hindu girls, most of us became Christians because of that little service you used to have on a Friday. Isn't that encouraging? And she, she connects with me on Facebook ever so often. And so I emphasize that because on this past weekend, I. I made emphasis on the importance of following me. You can follow me literally, I'm a hard man to follow. <clears throat> but you can follow me on Facebook and find out the messages that will give you life. And if you're sitting in this church and you're finding difficulty in understanding some of the things I preach, ask. Ask and it shall be given unto you. And so tonight I'm thinking that the age we're living in is a hard age, and what is all of this? We look at the wars and rumors of wars. When I'm thinking of all that's going on in Isaiah chapter 24 of the book of Isaiah, and already I'm moving off a little from what's in my mind. In Isaiah 24, Isaiah prophesied, and I'm going to go slow for those of you that are not accustomed to some of these scriptures. Not a lot of scriptures, but enough to encourage your hearts. Isaiah in chapter 24, and these prophets of the Old Testament, they had some major prophets. Isaiah was one, and Jeremiah was another. <clears throat> and Isaiah, he uh, was prior to Jeremiah. And all these prophets that God sent in the Old Testament when they came to God's people, the people were in rebellion. Just like when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, Israel did not like what he had to say. Because he did not blend with established orthodoxy for that time. He did not blend with the traditional religion of that time. And Isaiah, when he came to this people, to Israel, he was not... Um, you know, powdered up, chocolate-coated preaching, messenger of God. 
The prophets in the Bible said things like it ought to be said. They were very blunt, they were very straightforward, and they did not polish up their message. Hold your finger in chapter 24 and back up with me to chapter 1 and see how this man that God sent to Israel, how he, he started his ministry. You would think that he would come on in and be nice and be a Dale Carnegie. Well, Isaiah was not Dale Carnegie. He said it like he said it, and he preached an unapologetic message. He did not preach a nice chocolate-coated sermon. And so when he started here in Isaiah chapter 1, listen to this man. He said in verse, verse 3, he says, The ox, that's the ox, the cow, knoweth his owner, and the donkey his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He says, the nation of Israel are worse than the ox and the donkey. The ox knows his master's crib. Is that what it says? That the ox knoweth his master, and the donkey his master's crib. But my people fail to recognize who I am. That's what God is telling the people. The nation of Israel, uh, this was in AD 740 years before Christ. Are they still rebellious today? Yes, they are. I pray for Israel, but you can run away from the fact that Israel today is not a godly nation. But saying, are you pro-Israel? No. Are you pro-Palestine? Uh, Palestinian? No. What are you? I'm pro-humanity. Anybody that needs God, I'm going to be there for you. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're wicked or not wicked, whether you're self-righteous or you're just a plain old hypocrite, I'm there for you. I'm pro-humanity. And uh, I think every one of us should have that attitude to individuals. Isaiah went on, he says, Ah, sinful nation, what a way to introduce yourself. If, he, if we brought him up here and he says, we're getting a visitor this week and his name is Isaiah. Can you imagine standing in my pulpit and start to call a sinful people? That's exactly what he did. He said, ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Iniquity is religious activities People involved with religious activities that scarcely understand what God wants. And that is why when we have church, it is important for us to find out what God wants. If the music becomes too strong and stimulates the flesh, we've got to figure out, is this pleasing to God or it's stimulating man's carnal nature? It is important that when I rise up to preach, I don't get on like an idiot behind the pulpit. Start to make a lot of noise and holler. I've seen it all. I've been around preaching for many, many years and I've seen it all. And tonight I'm sitting, I don't want to get fired up, I don't want to pretend to be something. But that's how it was. Isaiah said, ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evil doors, Children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. 
My God, if he was, I uh, wonder what the, the people listening to him were saying. What kind of man this is? Let's find out further. He says, um, verse 5, Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. He said the whole head, the leaders, the head means the leaders. The head is sick and the heart is faint. He says from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He said the leadership in Israel is sick and their desire for God is weak. He says from the sole of the foot to the head, to the crown of the head, he says there, is, there are wounds. When God look at Israel, he sees wounds and bruises and putrefying sores that has not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And he goes on further on, I'm skipping some verses here just because I want to get this whole thing over. <clears throat> he says, uh, verse 9, Except the Lord of hosts has left us a very small remnant. You see, Jesus said that. 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on this earth, he said straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Not a lot of people understand truth in reality. The masses of people going to church are going to church to please traditionalism and traditional methods and their leaders of the past. And today, we want to come to the place that if we understand what God is saying, we must be willing to make some changes in our lives gradually, but we must make some changes. And Isaiah is saying here, he says, except the Lord of hosts has left us a very, very small remnant, we would have been as Sodom and Gomorrah, and like unto Gomorrah. Now Sodom and Gomorrah, were two cities that God destroyed because of their ungodly lifestyle. And Lot, Abraham's nephew, lived in Sodom and Gomorrah in that region. And God wanted to destroy that nation, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. And he sent a message to get them out. And you know the story, eventually, the entire city of Sodom and the entire city of Gomorrah was destroyed by hail, by hailstones coming down and burning the city up. Now, listen to care, carefully to what Isaiah is telling the people. Do they know about Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes, they do. Here is what he's telling God's people. He says, uh, he says, uh, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. We're not in Sodom, Isaiah. We're in Israel. He says, as far as I'm concerned, this is just like Sodom. Israel was just like Sodom. And from statistics that I'm reading, Israel today is getting to that place. And God must save that nation because we're looking forward for the salvation of the Jews and for the kingdom of God to be established. 
All right? And he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, and give ear unto the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. Well, that be something if I stand up there and call you, <coughs> call the elders rulers of Sodom. And you saints, you people of Gomorrah. Well, what transpired in Israel that caused Isaiah to say that? Hold your finger in chapter 1. And I want chapter 3. When the Lord is talking about Jerusalem here in verse 8, he says that Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord. He said in verse 9, they show they show their countenance that witness against them, the show of their countenance does witness against them and they declare their sin as Sodom and is not. He says they declare their sin as the sin of Sodom. So Isaiah is not very specific, but I wonder what he meant. I conclude, I think I know what he meant, and that's why he says you rulers of Sodom and you people of Gomorrah. Now, here were a people that were involved in religion but when God looked at them, their life, their lifestyle, their everyday activity did not match the demands of their religion. The lesson I preached on this weekend concerning discipleship, it is not practical to have disciples today like Jesus had 2,000 years ago. There are things this Bible has that was written 2,000 years ago that's not everything is meant for us today. When Paul wrote to Timothy, that was meant for Timothy and the churches he was influencing. When Paul wrote to Titus, it was meant for Titus and the churches he was influencing. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, it was for the church of Corinth and what was transpiring in that church. So when Paul made a statement like this to, to Timothy, he says, let your women learn in silence. Tonight I was counting the uh, women in church. I counted how many women we've got, and I counted how many men we've got. And I think right now, with Kyle and Raiden coming in, we sort of level off even, even, 50-50. But there was a time... If we tell the sisters not to speak in church, we don't know how to sing. It's me and Brother John and Brother Raleigh and Brother uh, Sinbad. Uh, some of us don't even have ear sound. But we thank God for the sisters in church. Uh, we're planning a dinner um, to mark the anniversary weekend of this church and our ministry here in Canada. And you think the brothers are going to cook? Thank God for the sisters. But there was a problem when Paul wrote to Timothy in the people he was dealing with. And there are a lot of times, there was a time in my past life that I don't allow a sister to even come behind my pulpit. I was a single young man and I was very strong-headed. 
Well, it says a woman should not teach nor usurp authority over the man. So be quiet. That was me. Aren't you glad I've changed? Well, uh, dealing with people that are profitable can really change your mind. And I have made adjustments over the years, but I can't follow everything Jesus said. Jesus said, when you make a journey, don't take a script for your journey. I want to tell you to take a script. If you're going to cross that border legally, take a script. Take a passport. Make sure it's not expired. All right? But Jesus also said that we should not commit adultery. We should not lie. We should not steal. Those are things we follow. Amen? Jesus made some statements back there that not everything is applicable in our day. And that is why God must raise up men today that understand the evil of today's world and present to God's people the necessary instructions to help them overcome the evil of today. I made reference to this some time ago. Alexander the Great was one of the world conquerors in his day. But if Alexander the Great with all his armies show up today and they stand in a battlefield, all you need is two men with modern day equipment to wipe them all to zero. Different day, different battle, different methods. And as we head towards artificial intelligence and their involvement, there'll come a time when wars would be fought from a room. A man's going to sit in his room and send out all the missiles and everything to fight the war. There's coming a time, if Jesus do not return uh, soon, that wars would be fought differently. We're living in a time that we can fight today's wars with yesterday's weapons. We need to fight today's wars with today's weapons. Whether it is a natural war or a spiritual war. There was a time when in the Old Testament period of time when a, a you called the devil or a demon was an ugly looking creature. But by the time Paul started the church at Corinth, he says the devil today is transformed into an angel of light. It is no strange thing if he anoints his, his apostles, that is the devil's apostles, as ministers of righteousness. Evil is more subtle today than it has ever been. And you need to pray that God would raise up pastors and elders that would recognize evil and not overlook the fact that we have a spiritual warfare that is more tricky today than it ever was. See, back in Guyana in the days when we were young and I was there uh, riding my motorcycle and playing my guitar and preaching on the houses, when you meet a case that is person possessed with demons, if you did not have the power of God and you did not pray, run. Did Brother Singh, did you ever run? No, but I got shivers. And I'm so glad the devil did not read my mind. Because I saw some of the most heinous demonic possessions of all times. 
But I'm glad today, I'm today, living today, and may God touch my mind to recognize evil as it exists today. And when Isaiah is writing, he's telling the people here in chapter 1, what were they doing? He's God, Isaiah said to the people, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice? Verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices? Did God want them to do sacrifices? Yes. And so they were doing a lot of sacrifices. And as far as the public was concerned, Israel was really serving God. Look at the sacrifices. Hear the songs they're singing. And Isaiah says, To what purpose is the, the, the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? He says, I'm full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. He says, All the sacrifices that you're making here, he says, I don't delight in that if you're not living for me. If you're doing that on a Sunday, but on a Monday, you're the devil in disguise. God says, that's not doing any benefit for me. Now, we try to serve God. Do I serve God every day of my life? I tell you what. Do you want to hear some of my secret weaknesses? You're all quiet. Do you want to hear some of my sins, secret sins? I'm so glad because if you said yes, I'd say you're a nosy little self-righteous Christian. <laughs> but every day I struggle with battles. There's some shows I like to look at. And I told the Lord this evening, I was just before I went to start getting dressed. I said, Lord, help me to, di dis to distance myself from certain shows that are not spiritually uplifting to my spirit. I'm not what I used to be 20 years ago. I'm not what I used to be 10 years ago. I've not yet, Paul said, apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. But forgetting the things which are behind, Paul said, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If the Apostle Paul took 35 to 40 years to reach that place where he can say, I'm now ready. I want how many years I need. I want how many years you need. So my friend, I'm one beggar telling the other beggars where to find bread tonight. Don't feel poor because you need something. Feel that here we are in a spiritual hospital and the doctor does get sick and the people get sick spiritually and we all need help. So when you see my foot slip, be there for me. But you might not be able to follow me on a daily basis to see when my foot slip, but every day pray for me. How do I pray for this thing? Well, Imagine God is a person you're talking to. Close your eyes or open your eyes. It doesn't matter to me. Get in a little secret corner where nobody's looking at you and talk to him. I find that 
When I do that, it's a nicer experience for me. This morning I did. Put my fireplace on, a little gas fireplace, and it got enough flames to make me feel like cozy. And it's me and the Lord. I didn't tell him good morning, but I said, Lord, I'm glad that I woke up today and I'm alive. And I'm glad my family is alive. Lord, we really deserve to die because we are wretched and miserable, but I'm glad your mercy has reached down and helped me. And as I sit there early in the morning, you don't want to go at my time. I have weird times. Uh, sometimes it's 2 o'clock, sometimes it's 1.30, sometimes it's 3.30. This morning was not so early. It was uh, 4.10 or something like that. I'm sitting there talking to the Lord. And occasionally I hear that JJ is getting up and doing something. And then he goes back to bed. Uh, you know, but I'm there in the dark with my fireplace going and I talk to God. It's not difficult to talk to God. You don't have to say, dear God, omnipotent, God, immutable, God, God that is omniscient. No, no, no. He does not speak English. He reads your heart. He understands if you speak Spanish or Hindi or Latin or whatever, he reads your heart and he understands all mysteries. So talk to him in your own language. You don't need Hebrew or Greek to talk to God. Talk to him in the language you speak. And imagine he's there and Jesus said a prayer one time. And this is what he said. He said this, the disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. First of all, he addresses the Father and praises him. Hallowed be thy name. And then he thinks about God's kingdom to come, which I was hoping to touch a little tonight before the service comes to an end. For the kingdom of God is to come. And he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, not give me the month, but give me this day my daily bread. And if I've transgressed against you, forgive me of my sins. And lead me today not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that, is that difficult? But don't say what someone wrote down. Say what's in your heart. And so I said, Father, I thank you I'm alive today, and I thank you that my family is alive. I didn't go check Sister Chan to see if she was alive, but um, I thought she was alive. And so I said, I thank you my family is alive. And then I thank you for the church, and I thank you for the saints that are alive. And I thank you, Lord, that over these years we have not had someone in a serious accident or things like that. You have protected us. You have protected our homes and our people. And then as names came to me, I mentioned those names. Today I pray for the brothers that are Haitians that met. I used to meet once a year. I used to go to Haiti once per year in the month of February and uh, spend some time. And my last trip into Haiti was in, in February in the year 2020. 
I barely got back into Canada before they closed the border and they stopped flights into Haiti. And so I'm glad I got back home, but I pray for all those brothers. I pray for Brother Antoine and his wife. Uh, these are people I have confidence in. I pray for Brother Antoine, and I like the man. I really do. When last you talk to him, we don't talk, we don't chit-chat every day on the phone, no. But I like him, I like his spirit. And then I pray for Brother, uh, Brother Eugene, who is a pastor in New Jersey. And I pray for Brother Montezer, who is also in New Jersey. I pray for Brother Moses, uh, he is really Moise, uh, who is in Connecticut, Norwalk, Connecticut. I pray for Brother Gatinji in, in Hartford, Connecticut. I pray for Brother Richard and Sister Richard in New York, Elmont, New York. I call these names of ministers, and then I pray for Brother Glenn. I pray for Brother Brintley. Uh, Brother Brintley wanted to come to be with us during our, my surgery. And I told Sister Chandri, no, I don't want him to come and be with me. I'm going for a small surgery. I don't want him to spend hundreds of dollars just to come uh, to drive us around. We'll manage. And so, <clears throat> um, when the surgery was, was postponed, I called him and says, I'm so glad you didn't come, buddy. You would have to come back again another time. But you know, th there are times you can pray for people. And like I said, pray for the people that you don't like so much. It will change your attitude. Come to the place in life that as a Christian, you like everybody. You make people smile when you see them. If someone looks like they swallow bitter melon, stop and tell them something nice. And you'll be sad to know you don't know what people are going through. People are struggling daily in this country to, to have a peace of mind, to pay their bills and to exist in this country, be nice to someone. And when you do this, you're doing it for your own soul and your own development. They might not even like you. But I'm saying, did you ever have someone that did not like you? Yes. One time I saw this a senior lady on a walker. She opened her trunk and um, she's walking off and the trunk is open. So I says, hello, and she, you know, she did not have her hearing aid on, so she was not hearing. I said, hello, and she did not answer. And I said, hello, a third time, and she didn't answer, so I walked over and touched her back. And God, did she ever turn around and says, why you touch me? <laughs> and then I turned and saw her husband. He was almost in the trunks. So I did not see he was at the back of the car. But that's okay. Somebody can get upset with you sometime. Uh, people are going through all kinds of problems, and that's okay. You shine forth. And there, is, uh, there are so many little accounts. And so today, as we, we need to pray and ask God to help us. And so Isaiah, Isaiah is talking to Israel, and he says, These people come with rams, in verse 12. He says, Where, when, when you come to appear before me, who had required this at your hand that you'd come into church? What does Isaiah say? He's condemning the people for going to, temp to the temple. He says, God is saying, bring no more vain oblations. When you get up to testify and there's no reality, he says, that's a vain oblation. 
When you lift your hands and say, God, I love you more than anything else, are you a liar? Then it's a vain oblation. We sing songs that are vain oblations. You're everything they told me, you're everything and more, Lord. You're everything to me. Is he everything to us? You see, even when we are singing, we have to analyze what we're singing. Are we making singing lies unto God? Are we singing reality? Because people write songs, and a lot of songs they write in today's society is self-centered. Because the greatest form of this, the most obnoxious form of discipleship is self-disciples. Jesus said, deny yourself and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. No, I want to follow me. Most of us sitting here tonight are basically followers of ourselves. Well, we not need to make decisions, but can you put God somewhere in your life that at least he gets 5%, and then as you serve him, he increases to 10%, and then 20 and then 30 for the sing how much percent you've got. I think, if I can judge right, I think 70% of my life belongs to God. There was a time when only five. But I've come a far way and I'm thinking 70. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm undercutting myself. I'm really convinced in my heart that 80% of me is to obey God and to have him direct me. And unless I bring my mind in that place, that I let him touch my mind, and that's how I preach. For those of you that are new, my friends use a word to describe me, and they said he's extemporaneous. Big word, right? Extemporaneous means I don't need notes, and I don't need a format. I get up, and when I open my mouth, words come to my mouth. But you can't do that if you don't know the scriptures. I pretty well understand scriptures. I pretty well know scriptures. I pretty well feel, and this is where I feel God is directing me to put words in my mouth. And a lot of times words come in my mouth and somebody says, why did you say that? Well, make a guess. I said that because God put words in my mouth. I don't blame God for my incompetence. But Israel did that vain oblations. They thought they were worshiping God, but they were not really. They were worshiping themselves. You know, you sing a song, and I'm not condemning people writing songs. Yes, I am, to a certain extent. But you sing a song like, He touched me, oh, he touched... Come on, are you in love or something? Who's touching you? You see, songs are written concerning me. When Israel worshipped God, they sang songs to God. Holy is the Lord. Worthy is his name. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O God. They sang songs that did not focus on me. The songs people write focus on us, and so we get into a little emotional thrill of pleasing ourselves. 
The worst form of discipleship is to follow yourself. But Jesus said, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. It cannot be done literally in this day we are living in, but it can be done mentally and spiritually because of social media has given us that opportunity that we can do that. Wouldn't that be nice if someone wrote down Paul's lessons that he preached? Thank you, Brother Joe, for writing down these notes. And I told Brother Joe today, I said, sometimes you write, and they would, ministers would attack you because you're saying too many things. I said, now be careful. <clears throat> we don't, what I told you today, we don't fish with a frying pan. I said, if I put a frying pan on the end of your hook, you won't catch any fish because they know you're going to fry them. But use a bait. He that winneth souls are, are, he that winneth souls is wise. And let wisdom take over and hide the obnoxious things. Uh, when Jesus talked to his disciples, he was a little more blunt. And so back to the concept here, they bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. And the Lord says, you're special, your new moon and Sabbaths, verse 13, the calling of meetings, conventions and meetings. He says, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. You say, we're going to have fasting and praying. If it's man orchestrated and it's man planning and God did not direct the pastor to do that, then it is a sad. It's an abomination unto God. You see, iniquity is a funny thing. It looks good. But if God has not ordained it, then it's not right. That is why many shall come to me in that day, Jesus said in Matthew 7, and shall say unto me, Lord, Lord, we have cast out devils in your name, and in your name we have done many mighty works. And Jesus would say, I don't even know you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Casting out devils and some religious formalities are good sometimes if God ordains it. So, are you glad you're here tonight? I hope so. And then uh, Isaiah went on here. <coughs> he said, um, he says, uh, what do you do? God said in verse 15, when you spread forth your hands. Everybody, put your hands like this. You know, it's good to lift holy hands and praise God. Bible says that. But Brother saying, I'm not going to lift my hands because it's not holy. Well, that's okay. But the Bible says, lift holy hands and worship God. Uh, Israel did that. And the Lord says, when you spread forth your hands, I hide my face. I hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not listen to you because your prayer is a form of iniquity. I, I was in a meeting in Africa. Uh, one time, and this was in South Africa, and a brother got up to preach. And I sat there, and I'm looking at him, and he says, Oh God, <laughs> uh, today I'm so glad that God has called me. <laughs> and I had a puffer, you know, I normally carry, I have a little touch of asthma sometimes, and I carry a puffer. I want to walk up and says, You need my puffer, brother? But they would have thrown me out of the meeting. 
really did. They would have thrown me out of the meeting. And he was carrying on, and he believes in his part of the world that he's coming from that that's anointing of God. We don't create anointing. I don't have to break your neck in order to heal your foot. What you mean, brother, saying, actually, Sister Indira's daughter came up for prayer one time, years ago, maybe 15 to 20 years ago. She came up for prayer, and she had a problem with her foot. It was hurting. And uh, I had a brother from the States visiting. Good old man, I like him. He's an old man, I love him. And when he was finished with, with the little girls, her head was like that, and he come like this. Now that don't heal nobody. If you ain't got the power of God, you ain't got the power of God. Don't break the, the person's neck to heal their foot. Guess what happened? Her neck got injured. And that's why I got that statement. Her neck got injured because the idiot praying for her thought by making a lot of action and doing that, he would heal her foot. He did not, he could not heal, raise a dead fly to life. And we must understand the reality of who we are. If we don't have the power of God, we don't have the power of God. Don't let anyone force you to speak in tongues. If you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues, that's fine. But don't let anyone fake that experience. Don't be a genuine fake. And so Isaiah said, the Lord said, I'll hide my eyes from you. And when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. You gossip people. You destroy their credibility. He says, what kind of people are you? See, God's people should be little saviors. It's not I'm looking at a reason to be obnoxious. You know, and, and, and that's what, that's the mentality that the world has. You ever go to Shoppers Drug Mart? And you get all your medication and all of that. You got to pick up things, you know, little pills and little items. Now they sell all kinds of stuff. When I came to Canada in 1980, they used to sell cigarettes. Uh, when you walk into shop or cigarettes, as soon as you go in there. And I always wonder why they're giving you cigarettes and giving you cancer. What's the point? Well, eventually, over time, they changed that around. Uh, there were times of change. Uh, since I came to Canada in 1980. 1980, when we came to Canada, the cell phone was a weapon. And um, uh, the microwave, the microwave was like um, scarcely in any homes. You, you had to be really rich to buy a microwave. And in those days, I went out to the store and I saw a sale about VHS players. They didn't have cassettes, they didn't have CDs. Uh, they had VHS, and they had 8-track. You know, some of you will not even know what I'm talking about. These were things they had back there. And I went there, and a silly VHS uh, recorder, I said, um, uh, you, so you have one on sale for $300, and that's a lot of money, but that was a deal. The guy says, they're all finished. But here is one for 600 I said, no, sir, I don't want. I came to buy the one for $300. Snow was falling outside. Wintery night. A man must get his VHS. You know, I've got to see my movies. And the man says, no. He says, listen, we'll give you a deal. 
because we are closing in 20 minutes or something like that. I said, deal. I said, I came to spend $300. He said, well, we're giving you the $600 for $450. I said, no, I came to spend $300. You know, by the time I left there, I left with a gold star VHS player for $300. And so I walked out of there. $300, now you get them for 50 bucks if you can find one. But you see, times have changed. Wars have changed. Battles with the enemy has changed. And so we are living in that time where we have to understand that we need to work to please God while we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And when you come out of the drugstore and you already got enough, you know what they have on the checkout counter? Who is Prince King Philip's secret girlfriend? What um, Tom Cruise is doing in his private life? They got all the gossip paper right up in front there. They had one called Inquirer. I don't know if they still have that. But you, you, then you got your medicine, good for your body, and they want to destroy your mind with the garbage they sell at the checkout counter. And you know what? Children of God going easy and watch and see where the thing is around. And if he's not around, they buy one and put it in quietly. Perversion. May God help us. You see, Israel, over 700 years ago, had a form of godliness, but not a true religion. Today, is worse than it was back there. Back there, they offered sacrifices and offerings. Now, I had your finger in Isaiah 24, and I'm going to go quickly there and finish in five minutes. Promise. So, Isaiah chapter 24, he talks about this day we're living in. He says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty. That is, Isaiah is having a vision. He says, People are dying like flies. He says, he maketh it waste, turneth it upside down, and scattered abroad inhabitants thereof. He's having a vision, and he's seeing people dying, and people running for their lives. He says, it shall be, this is happening, to the people, and so with the priest, as with the servant, so with the, as, as the employee, so with the employer, as with the maid, so with the mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, money market and everything here. He says, as with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of interest, so with the giver of usury. The land is utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. For the Lord has spoken this word. And he says, the earth mourneth and faded away. The world languisheth and faded away. And the big shots, the haughty people of the earth are crying because their money is lost. You know, who is the man that owns Tesla? Right. Can you imagine the money market collapses overnight? Who is going to be crying the most? Nothing is wrong in saving some money and investing some money here and there. But, seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things. Your heart would be at ease. You need to protect yourself. You need. Uh, I told somebody that I need a business meeting with the whole church. To tell you how to live in a little bit in this world. How to make sure you have an RSP. 
for retirement. How to make sure that you don't just buy everything with a credit card when you don't have the money to pay it off. We're living in bad times. And Isaiah is seeing some of this happening here. He says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws of God and changed his ordinances and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate because the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. This man is having a vision, maybe of a region. And he's seeing that the earth, because man transgressed God's law, God is judging the world. Never before did we have so, much, so many natural catastrophes as these past couple of years. The world is rebelling against man. When God sent Israel into the promised land, he says, the land right now has spewed out the Canaanites. And when you go and occupy the land, if you fail to keep my commandments, the Lord, land will spew you out also. I want to tell you, you can sit in this church and be a schizophrenic. You can be a Dr. Jekyll in church, and when you leave, you become a Mr. Hyde. Try to bring them both together into a Dr. Jekyll state because the church is a spiritual hospital and designed to save each one of us. It is nice talking to you tonight. I pray that these words will find place in every one of our hearts. And listen to me carefully. When I preach this lesson tonight, and Brother Joe put it on, on Spotify, by the time tomorrow afternoon, if he gets it up tomorrow morning, by the time tomorrow afternoon, I listen to this message a, a few times, and it edifies me. And every scripture I get, I remember and understand a little more. And while I'm listening it, listening to it, I often say, why didn't I see that additional point I could have shared with the people? God is good. God is good. I'm so glad he's merciful that we are not all dead. Because if it was not mercy, when Jesus came, he came not to save the righteous. He came to save the sinners to repentance. Now here's something I'm closing with. The more sin you have in your life is the greater the challenge God has to save you. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when I see the challenge, and today a brother called me and he said, he sent a message to me, he said, can you send me the message on the canvas? And so I sent him the message on the canvas. It's like, I don't see the full picture until God is finished painting the painting. Your life is a canvas, and God plans to make a good painting out of it. Give him time, and the job would be done. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night in your house. We thank you, Lord, for another night that we can be challenged by your word. Guide us, Father. Lead us and direct us, we pray. And, and oh God, we ask that you'll be with us over this weekend. In Jesus' wonderful name and for his glory. Amen and amen.